Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Draw Control Podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by six-year Cabrini women's lacrosse player, uh, Olivia Little. In her career, Olivia was the 2022 Atlantic East Coast Conference Player of the Year, named first-team All-AEC, earned the 2022 All-Metro Region second-team honors, and led the conference with 105 points, 104 draw controls, and ranked second and third in the conference with 74 goals, 42 assists, 66 ground balls, and 33 cause turnovers. Olivia was also named to the All-Atlantic East first team and was named to the IWLCA All-Metro second team and was a 2018 high school All-American. Olivia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and how's everything going? Everything's good. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. This is fun. I'm excited to have you on as well. And obviously, I'm not sure how many people know this news, so I let, I'll let you to talk about it. But obviously, since Cabrini's being bought out by Villanova, uh, this is the last year of the university. So that means you, but you're going to use it to your advantage as you'll be taking your sixth year of eligibility with the program. So just talk about what led you to make that decision and how excited are you for this upcoming season? Uh, well, first of all, I'm really, really excited. Um, I actually was with my coach yesterday and we were kind of just like talking about how surreal, you know, this whole experience is about to be. You know, we witnessed it already with fall sports and it being their final season um, as an institution. And it just means so much more, you know, being a spring athlete and it being the final semester for the school. Um, I was back and forth about the decision. You know, I had finished my fifth year. And, you know, I had come to terms that that was it. That was the last time I was going to play lacrosse um, at that level. And, you know, I went through the summer just doing my daily things and, you know, coaching lacrosse. And we got the news in June that Villanova had bought out Cabrini. And, you know, it was a shock to everybody. It was really upsetting. You know, it was it was really sad thinking about not having an alma mater and, you know, no games to go back to. Like it was it was really something that we all thought about for a really, really long time. And, you know, it came down to, you know, what was best for the team and and all of us as a family together. That's all this is, is one big family. That's why I came here. So, you know, talking with coach and the athletic director and, you know, we kind of came to terms that look like COVID did a blessing on, on a lot of you athletes. You know, we have that extra year and, you know, I'm lucky enough to have two of them. Um, with that transfer that we'll get into, but, um, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to use that final year of eligibility and lucky enough, I'm in a two-year grad program. So I wasn't done taking classes anyways. So that made the decision a little bit better and just being able to play with some of these people and play for my coach one last time, you know, it was, it was a no brainer towards the end of the whole discussion. How's fall semester been going for you? I know this is your last year of your grad program. And you said you've been working on something a lot the last uh, few weeks. So you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I actually went to school to be a teacher. Um, and then, you know, I, I did my experience and I was like, I don't know, like I should probably have a backup plan. So I went into this master's program. It's called the Master's of Science of Leadership. So it's sort of like an MBA. And, you know, I, I planned it out so that, you know, I don't have to be in the spring semester and take the big capstone. And a lot of the people that are in my program should be done by December, but not me. So I am going to be lucky enough to have just two classes left in the spring. So this semester I've been working on my capstone, which is like a 30 page paper and tons of research and, you know, questions and interviews and trying to gather all of that has been a lot. And also on the job search too. you know, 
what's going to be the best fit for me. And on top of, you know, coaching a club team, you know, that's a big fall thing right now was just in Florida last week coaching. So, you know, it's been pretty hectic, but you know, I, I work best <laughs> under pressure and, you know, when I'm busy, so it's, it's been good. I'm, but I'm happy that the holidays are coming up and everything can slow down a little bit. Yeah, for sure. What's your uh, capstone paper about? It's actually, I used to work in a restaurant, so it's about uh, restaurant management and just, you know, the overall aspects of, you know, managing, you know, from the back of the house to the front of the house and, you know, all the the loopholes that you kind of get stuck in and things that go on there. So it's actually been a lot of fun doing that research. You learn a lot about it. Nice, nice. Have you interviewed like people that you used to work with for it? Yeah. So I, I work with a bunch of friends too. So they've been really helping me and customers that I've become close with. I was there for just about four years. So I was able to have some conversations with them. So it was, yeah, super cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I worked at the front of the house for a restaurant back when I was in high school. And I feel like uh, I'm definitely interested to see how they do it in the back of the house because it seemed way more stressful than yeah. uh, the front of the house. <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't have to do that, though. Yeah. Now, obviously, you had a fall ball scrimmage against uh, Westchester, if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. uh, what was what's been fall ball been like for the team, especially since you coached this past summer? So getting a different perspective on the game must have made it easier for yourself uh, for this fall ball. I always made your game improve, I guess, a little bit more than it might have been in the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think maturity has a lot to do with it. You know, the experience. Yes, it is my sixth year. But, you know, think back to, you know, 2020, 2021, we didn't play complete seasons. So, you know, we we only played, you know, a total of, I don't know, 15, 16 games over those two years. So um, being able to build like through those years and through that off time, we've kind of really come together because our team hasn't really changed that much. Um, A lot of people came back for their fifth year and then um, a teammate and I also came back for our sixth year. So, you know, we're seasoned, I guess you could say. So it was kind of a walk in the park for us with all the, you know, routines and everything. But not being able to practice with each other as much as we would have liked, you know, that that took a toll on us, along with, you know, new rules and the referees getting, you know, all all figured out with all the green card situation that's been going on. Um, But, yeah, I think, you know, we put our best foot forward. Westchester, really, really good team, but it was a really good, you know, eye opener, I think, for all of us. Like, okay, this is what we have to do to, to be ready for 2024. So it was it was exciting and we enjoyed it. We had fun. No one was sad, but you know, we have, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Just got to enjoy the moment as best you yeah. can. At, at this point, that's all we can do. There's, this is it. There's nothing left after this. So. Well, let's take a moment to enjoy the past a little bit um, and sort of transition to the beginning of your lacrosse career and sort of work all the way up to where you are today. So uh, you're from Springfield, Pennsylvania. Uh, what was it like growing up there and how'd you start playing lacrosse? Um, so Springfield's a really big lacrosse um, area, the boys program, the girls program, all the way from youth to high school. Um, but I didn't start playing lacrosse as young as some of my friends did. I chose softball and soccer. And then uh, a teammate of mine, her mom was the youth lacrosse coach. And she saw me playing soccer and was like, we got to get this girl lacrosse sick. And, you know, my parents were like, yeah, like you should try it. I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to like it. But, you know, long story short, I went there. I wound up falling in love with it and, you know, in the end chose chose lacrosse over soccer, which I never in a million years would have thought. Um, but I'm I'm really happy with that decision. And I had an incredible experience growing up playing with some of the best, you know, the best of the best, especially in this this local area. So I think it was great and I wouldn't change it for anything. 
in growing up, did you have like a favorite lacrosse player that you like to watch? Yeah, I would I would say probably, you know, you have your Taylor Cummings, your Michelle Tumalo, like all of those girls, they were, you know, the hot commodity like Charlotte North is now. Um, I would say they're probably my what I who I looked up to the most, especially like in my position, like scoring and all that stuff. Um, but and as I get older, you know, I still look at those people and now they're coaches and I'm like, that's awesome, like to see how they've, you know, progressed and I you know, I envy them a lot for, for all their hard work and all that stuff. And then, you know, my coaches themselves, when I got to know them, I'm like, wow, they were like legit athletes too. They didn't get all the big awards all the time, but, you know, they were pretty legit players. Now, before college, you played for your high school in Springfield. So talk about your high school lacrosse experience and what's like the best memory you have from that time period of your life? Uh, high school lacrosse was, it was so much fun. It was in the moment, I'm sure a lot of my my fellow Springfield grads can say, you know, it was tough. It was, it was, um, it was a lot of tough love, but you know, it made us better players and better people in the end. So overall that experience was awesome. And then I'd have to say my senior year, we went down to North Carolina for our spring break trip and we played Cardinal Gibbons. They were the 2017 state champion and, you know, they were hot shots of uh, North Carolina and we came down there and we wound up beating them in overtime. And it was just so cool. They were shell shocked they were like where's this team from like totally different style of lacrosse too you know coming from the philly area down to north carolina but we took it to them and it was it was awesome would you say the people in the philly area have more of a physical style of lacrosse than people in north carolina i would say so yeah we, yeah. we talk about that a lot actually at the team i coach right now you know we're we go and play these teams from maryland and florida and all these places and you could just tell like the style some some might say like down south, it's a little more pretty or, you know, up north, it's a little more pretty. Like we're pretty gritty down here. And, you know, we we take it we take it to heart, too. We're, we're very motivated and, you know, it's, it's fun to watch and it's fun to play around here. Now, how do you think your high school lacrosse experience helped prepared you for college lacrosse uh, with St. Joseph's and then obviously now with Cabrini? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely an adjustment. I'm, I'm sure every athlete could say the same. You know, you have a lot of things that you have to prepare for. A lot of things you can't prepare for. Um, but I think the coaching style that I grew up with really prepared me for, you know, the toughness and, you know, the overall mental toughness that it takes to play in college and, you know, just the dedication and your love for the game. Cause that's all you want to do is, you know, stay in love with the game. And, you know, that's why you chose to play at a higher level. And then on top of all that, you know, managing coursework and, you know, other scheduling things that, you know, are really important for your overall health and achievement in, in the sport. Now, like I mentioned, originally you went to St. Joseph's. So talk about that recruiting process and why you chose to go there. So when I was being recruited back, I guess, 2015, 2016, um, playing on Fantastics, you know, it was it was cool. The experience was different. You know, I'm I'm the oldest. So, you know, my family hadn't gone through that before. So it was kind of, you know, a little difficult. But, you know, I had my high school coach and then my club coaches also like helping me through all that giving me advice here and there about, you know, what you should look for, like, yeah, the location's great, or yeah, the team's really good, but like, here are some other things, you know, that you have to look at. And, you know, I wound up choosing St. Joe's. It was, it's close. It's 15, 20 minutes from my house. Um, Lou knew a lot of alum, my neighbors, um, a girl that played at my high school as well. I wound up going there and taking her number, kind of keeping it like a Springfield thing. So um, in the end, I was, I was really happy with my decision and I loved it while I was there. Um, 
but then unfortunately COVID COVID happened and you know things change people grow up and yeah yeah during your time with St. Joseph what was like the biggest adjustment you had to make to college across oh man I would say you know the first of all I mean you're on a team of 30 girls right 30 30 some girls and you know only 11 people play on the field at a time so you know you have to go out there every single time you get a chance and produce and, you know, sometimes you can't produce in four minutes and, you know, you get bumped down and the next person gets a chance, you know. So trying to trying to learn and adjust through all that, especially my freshman year was was tough. But I had a really good group of upperclassmen that, you know, were very supportive. And if anyone ever needed anyone to talk to, like, you know, they were there to talk to us. So I, I appreciate them for all of that. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great experience. I, I wouldn't change it for anything. My path, I loved it everything about it I, I had fun do you ever look back on that time of your lacrosse career and sort of try to does it make you a better leader I guess today since you're in the position of the upperclassmen that helped you yeah absolutely and you know now that a lot of the girls on my team have to transfer you know out of a different circumstance you know but um you know they're, they're coming to me like hey Liv like what am I what do I do like you know what am I looking for and you know I have to tell them like regardless of how you think everyone's going to feel or, you know, if you feel like you're letting someone down, like you have to put all of that aside and you have to just do what's best for you and and you will figure it out. It may take a lot of time, but that's my biggest piece of advice and take the lacrosse out of it. Like you're looking for like your happiness overall. And, you know, maybe you have friends that go somewhere. In my case, I did. I was like, I just want to be with my friends. Like I, they're my support system. So that's my biggest piece of advice. Like especially now being older, like just your overall happiness is most important. Now just talk about the two seasons you spent with St. Joe's and just what you took away from your time there and what you, what your team accomplished. Yeah. Um, I think my biggest takeaway was probably to just live in the moment. You know, I, I found myself dwelling a lot on, you know, little things and why I wasn't doing this or, you know, did I do something wrong? But in the end, looking back, like they were looking out for, the best interest of the team and you know I learned that too and it, it makes you a better teammate and it makes you a better player when you look at it in terms of as a whole team um so I would say our overall success was was pretty solid you know we had some big wins we had some really really good you know competitions with big 10 teams you know big 25 teams out of our out of our conference you know and we learned a lot and we grew as a team I think we were we were really on a roll in 2020. I, I was really excited about that one. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, things happen. But, yeah, I think and then, you know, I, I wound up leaving and I transfer. But, you know, the team went on to win the A-10 next year. Like, I was so happy for them. You know, that's what we had always strived to do. So, yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. You still talk to some of the teammates you had from from St. Joseph's? Yeah, some of them. Yeah, yeah. I uh, We keep in touch on, like, social media and things like that. Um, one of my, my roommates also transferred shortly after I did and went and played at Westchester. So we stayed in touch. We played against each other. You know, some people I, you know, see down the shore and things like that. So, yeah. Now, what made you end up going into the portal and why did, what made Cabrini sort of the school for you to go to, uh, when you made that decision? Um, I would say half, like halfway through the summer, you know, we got we got sent home for COVID and, you know, coach was in contact with everybody. We were kind of all keeping in touch. But, you know, summer gets in the way sometimes. And, you know, we we kind of all just kind of went on our own path a little bit. 
and I felt a little disconnected. So I was like, you know, really leaning on my friends at home, you know, we would all hang out outside and, you know, I have a pool in my backyard and, you know, we were all just hanging out and chit-chatting. And I was like, you know, like, I really miss like these people, like the people that I'm really, really close with. And, you know, I was, like I said, I was happy that I, you know, achieved my dream playing D1. But, you know, I, I looked at the bigger picture and I was like, I'm really, really happy with these people and I'm ready to, you know, move on and, you know, better myself. And at, at that point, I wasn't really sure I was going to play. I, I really wasn't. I was ready to just go to a school with my friends and have fun. But, you know, then my best friend, Dana, she was at Cabrini at the time she was playing. And she's like, dude, you're going to love it. Like, you're going to have so much fun with us. Like, it's a lot laid back. And it's like, you just play lacrosse. Like, it's just, you know, it was it was something that I really, really thought about. And um, Jackie Neary, I, I played with her daughter um, in high school on Fantastics. And when I finally decided to go Cabrini, she my dad finally told me, you know, she said to my dad in the summer of like 2017 and was like, I'm going to have her someday. And my dad was like, oh, I don't know, like she wants to play D1. And, you know, when I finally decided, he told me that and I was like, wow, like that's that's super awesome. And, you know, here I am in 2020. Yeah, 2021, my first season there, I was like, this is this is so cool. So. And obviously you talk about how the pandemic sort of affected your decision to transfer to Cabrini, but how did the pandemic affect your lacrosse career in regards to getting assimilated with your new team and sort of training for the upcoming season? I assume there were some restrictions going on at that point, um, even though you knew some of the players, since one of the reasons why you joined them was because you had some connections with the team prior to you transferring there. Yeah. I mean, going to, you know, transferring to a D3 school, right after the COVID year, um, you know, that 2021 season, the rules were very different for us than they were for, you know, division one and division two. So, you know, our practices were limited. Um, you know, I'm, everybody was, but you're we wearing masks, you know, everything was done outside. And like I said, our hours were limited. So, you know, we didn't really get to work that much as a team until I would probably say like February or March you know, and then, you know, the D1 team started to figure out the system and the pods and all that stuff. So once that trickled down to the D3 level, um, I think we we excelled, but we were really like together. We're a pretty small team. So, you know, there was nobody really left out. If we were ever going to do an optional workout on the turf or something, you know, you know, 90% of our team was there to do that work with us. So it was kind of an extra responsibility, you know, taking on all of that. But, you know, I, I fit right in. Everyone, you know, was super welcoming and so excited. And yeah, I, I just, I, I look back on it and I was like, wow, these are like really, really great people. Now, what's like the biggest difference between Division One and Division Three lacrosse? Um, this is a tough question. Um, I'm assuming this, you get asked it a lot, so. I do, I, I do. Like, um. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go as far as saying like the level of play, you know, my favorite thing to say about like D3 sports is, you know, you choose D3 sports because you love the sport. There's no scholarship. There's no money. You know, you go to these schools and you play these sports because you love them. Whereas, you know, D1, like you have a scholarship, you know, you have to perform to keep your scholarship. You have to do X, Y, and Z to keep your scholarship. So, you know, going to a D3 school and seeing how much these girls absolutely loved lacrosse and they didn't care, you know, what it took. They were like, if we get to play, we're playing. Like, 
we all we all took out so many loans. I mean, Cabrini's a little tiny private school, but you know, we just love the sport so much and and we have such a good lacrosse family and lacrosse community that, you know, it makes it all worth it. And you see that across the board. I think, you know, when we go play other teams, like these girls, you know, they love lacrosse and that's why they're here. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. That's why D3, that's why we say it. Why D3? Yeah. I think uh, D3 is a great option for a lot of players mm-hmm. just because uh, I feel like you, sometimes you get a better experience at those schools than you would at a division one school. And I feel like sometimes there's like stigma around it, but hopefully um, the stigma sort of feels like it's starting to get go away a little bit, but I feel like it's sometimes still there. So I think it's important to like tell those players about it, uh, especially during the recruiting process to know that like sometimes that's like a better fit for you and you might get a better experience there. Cause at the end of the day, you want to go somewhere where you're going to get a degree and you're just going to be happy about your experience there. Cause you only get a limited number of time uh, with the school you're going to. So sometimes the D3 route is the way to do that versus uh, maybe to a division one school. Yeah, especially when you choose a degree that's, you know, vigorous in the academic part, you know, maybe you might not have time to, you know, practice six days a week for three to four hours, you know, and the three, the D3 level gives you that that opportunity, as well as if you decide to play two sports. I had a girl on my team that played several girls that played, you know, two sports. And a couple of years ago, we had a girl on our team that played three. She played soccer, basketball and lacrosse, you know, and, and D3 makes that possible for people to you know, still play the sports that they love and not really have to choose just one. Now, your first year with Cabrini, you guys won the AAC conference tournament. Uh, talk about winning that tournament and sort of what it meant to you, especially after everything you sort of went to the prior three years. It was a it was a tough one. I, I look back on that year, you know, we had like, again, COVID was still pretty rampant. So we had games that were canceled. We, have, we wound up only playing 11 games, but, you know, we still got to compete in our in our uh tournament championship and we got to compete in the NCAA tournament but you know we didn't play that many games so you know when we got to game day we were like we don't know if we're getting another game you know so it was lay it all out on the line for that game that day um so it was it was tough it was exhausting you know we practiced I think at one point for like three weeks straight without a game so you know that got really tough because you know we'd we'd prepare Monday, Tuesday for what came on Wednesday and Wednesday comes around and a uh, team can't play, you know, so it was really, really tough. It was mentally exhausting. I'd say, you know, we were, we were getting a little discouraged for a while in that like March, April time. But once it, uh, I think once it got warmer out, things got a little bit better. So. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that it was like the Omicron variant, right? Yes. Yeah. It was crazy. We were yeah. getting tested once a week. At like 6 a.m. on Wednesdays. Oh, it was, it was crazy. Yeah, I don't need to get into that. Just the thing that bothered me about it was like how certain things would be like open and like normal and then other things would be closed. And there was like sort yep. of like president. Like I remember you could go to a NHL hockey game, but you couldn't go to like certain colleges. It's like, yep. that makes no sense. You can go to an arena with 17,000 people. But and I just felt like it's starting to, that's when I was like, this is, some of the stuff is getting a little right. ridiculous. Like we need to start learning how to live with it a little bit. So Yep. Um, so I'm glad that time period's gone because I feel like people will obviously remember 2020 with everything being shut down. But I thought the prior years when we were sort of figuring out what to do with it, that was frustrating as well. Absolutely. Yeah, now, I mean, I didn't well, step foot in a Cabrini classroom, I think, for almost a year and a half later. Like, yeah, after tw- I, I transferred over the winter semester. So I started in in that spring semester and I think I went the spring to fall. And some of the spring and the following season before I even, you know, step foot in a classroom. So that was crazy. 
Yeah, don't worry. My entire freshman year of college was all online. Yeah, um, I bet. The pandemic, so <laughs> I'm with you on that. 90% of my college career was online. <laughs> but um, getting back to sort of your time with Cabrini, obviously um, you improved a lot since uh, your since your transfer from St. Joseph's to Cabrini. Uh, just looking at the statistics, you became one of the best players in the AEC and for your team as well. I know you're very humble about it, but what would you say is like the biggest improvement that you made to your game that led to the success that you had on the field from an individual standpoint? Um, I think, you know, I always say this to my younger players too, you know, that I coach now, you know, my, my biggest thing is be happy for yourself, but also be happy, you know, for your teammates and, you know, watching my team get so excited and, you know, these girls that, you know, came from all over the East coast, you know, they're so excited to play and we're such a little school. So like all those little things really play into it. And at the end of the day, like we're playing for Cabrini and we're playing for each other. So, you know, putting my stats and everything aside, you know, watching my team celebrate and and be so excited and everyone be so happy for each other. It's so refreshing and it's, it's so much fun to play, you know, coming back this year, like it's going to be even better. The emotions are going to be so high. And, you know, we have a great coaching staff that is just so much fun. And we're a close-knit team. We hang out together all the time. Everyone's friends. There's no drama. There's nothing. And it's 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 so much fun. And, you know, it makes it all worth it. And it just makes it easier to play. There's there's really no, no rock on your shoulder um, besides the target on our back from the AEC because everyone wants to beat us. But, you know, that fuels your fire a little bit. You know, you know, you have something to prove every time you go out there. So it's a lot of fun. Would you say you're more of a vocal leader or the by example type of player? I would say a little bit of both. Playing in the midfield, you know, you play on both ends of the field. So, you know, you have to be vocal on defense and you also have to be vocal on attack. Um, and then in practice, you know, coach will ask, hey, what do we think we should do about this? Or does anyone have anything to say? She makes it very open forum, which is awesome. And everyone gets to collaborate together. So, yeah, I think I'm just a little bit of both. That's good. That's good. I think you also, like, as a younger player, you need to see what it takes to sort of what it takes to be, I guess, an athlete and sort of like what the standard and the culture is set from just the older players, just because the thing is you want to leave the place better than you found it. And then you want to set that foundation. Yeah, yeah. So when the freshmen become seniors like you are, they'll know what to do so they can keep that going even years after you've graduated. Yep, definitely. Now, last year you won your top conference tournament again, but then lost in the NCAA tournament. And I would imagine that you thought that was going to be your final collegiate game based on the way things were. But what did you just take away from your that this past season with Cabrini and just uh, how do you think you're going to use that NCAA tournament loss for this year as motivation to sort of get back to that spot and try to win a tournament game and sort of go on a run? So I think I think the final score is uh, 19-15 or something. Um, you know, we were we were up most of the game, and you know we we kind of came in a huddle, I think after the third quarter and we were like, we can win this guys. Like we can, this is our chance right now. And, you know, the year prior to that, we did win the first round game and, you know, we wanted to go right back to that spot. We were prepared, you know, we had everything we needed. Um, unfortunately things didn't go our way, but, you know, I think we learned a lot as a team. Um, and I think our coaches learned a lot as a, as a coaching staff, you know, on how to approach that situation when we are up and, you know, how to best, you know, manage the game. And I think we all kind of 
we all had that realization like oh my gosh like we actually are pretty good and we uh we can beat these big teams so I think going into this year you know if we carry that on our backs you know we're going down to Florida in spring break and we're playing USF and you know that's going to be a tough game but you know we're not a team that backs down from a challenge we played Tampa two years ago and you know we gave them a run for their money and they weren't very happy about it and I think that's you know what Cabrini's about we're kind of like a sneaky weapon when it comes to games like that you know we show up when we need to show up so you know I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and I think we learned a lot from last season yeah it's always fun playing spoiler so I'm with you on that mm-hmm. one <laughs> so now we're in a segment I like to call the non-lacrosse segment where I ask you some non-lacrosse questions get to get to know you a little bit more off the field um, and I'll answer some of them as well in case you need some time to think about one. But the first one is, if there was a movie made about your life, uh, who would you want to play yourself? Oh, boy. Um, oh, gosh. I think I'm going to say I'm going to make it a cartoon. And um, I think Boo for Monsters, Inc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very bubbly, like me. So. <laughs> um, I don't know who I'd want to play me. I feel like. I would want someone cool to play me like Tom Brady would be cool. I know he's not an actor, but I think he's he's oh, a good looking guy and he's obviously had a lot of success. So I'd probably go with him just because I think he would do a good job with me. Definitely. That's a good one. Now, what's the most underrated holiday and what's the most overrated holiday since we're in this season right now? Oh my goodness. Um, I would say my most the most underrated holiday might be Thanksgiving. I know everyone loves Thanksgiving, but there's a lot that goes into Thanksgiving and it's over in like 30 minutes. Like yeah. food's gone. everyone ate and that's like, that's it. But you know, there's a lot of prep and things that go into that. I know in my house, um, you know, we, we take it very seriously. Actually the last couple of years we have gone out to dinner, but you know, we still enjoy it just as much and we try to take in the moment and, you know, spend as much time with each other as we can. And then overrated. Ah, I'd have to go with ah, maybe Halloween. Not mm-hmm. a big Halloween fan. Well, if you can't trick or treat anymore, the holiday. I, that's, kind I of guess that's ruined. true. <laughs> it's like Christmas without giving gifts. Like it's just not that's the same. True. That's true. So that's the one thing. I feel like it's only Halloween's more for kids than adults. And yeah. I like holidays that are for everybody. So I will I would agree with you on the overrated part. Underrated, I'd say probably fourth of July. I feel like no one really talks about that one, but that's always a good that's time. A good that is a good one. Yeah. So, Next non-lacrosse question is, uh, what is something that everyone hates but you really like? Like an unpopular opinion, I guess. Ooh, jeez. Unpopular. You go. Let me think. I feel like a lot of people rip on, like, certain pop music and pop musicians, but some of it's pretty good. Like, Justin Bieber made some good songs back in the day, and no one really liked it. But I still, I think those some of the songs are pretty good. Obviously, it's not like the Beatles or anything, but... I still think it's fun to listen to every now and then. So I'd say that's probably my most unpopular opinion. I'm going to stick with the music category. I My my friend group's pretty split 50-50 on the country music. I'm a big country music fan. I, nice. I really am. But I'm also like very into like indie pop. So like that kind of, you know, ratio is, is funny. But I would say, you know, country music slept on by a lot of people. Yeah, I like country music a lot. That's I got to thank some of the people on the baseball team that because um, just because a lot of them are from <laughs> the South and what the West Coast and country music's huge there. And I never really listened to it up until uh, the baseball team. So that's sort of how how I got into it was because of that. Yeah, it's awesome. 
I love it. Now, what's the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? Mm. Um, I just found out today that Zach Ertz has been released, and I'm going to personally petition for him to come back to Philadelphia. At least, be, at least be a coach or something, right? Yeah, something. He's got to stay. I love that whole family. Julie Ertz was his role model of mine for forever. You know, big soccer star. I loved her. Yeah. So, yeah. I would, I don't know what's been, I, I would just say probably um, Tommy DeVito and how he's like, I know you're an Eagles fan probably, but yeah. like, I still think that story is pretty hilarious. They still lives with his parents and like they it make him chicken cutlets. And um, yeah, it was, it was tough seeing him beat my Patriots this past Sunday, but it was still, I don't know. I still think it's a cool story. So yeah, definitely. now what is your guilty pleasure TV show? Oh, big Peaky blinders. I'm watching it for the third time right now. Um, I would say I'm right now I'm watching Breaking Bad. Never seen it before, but it's pretty good. So um, I had to watch that for class before. <laughs> I had to watch the entire series and and write papers about it. Did you enjoy it? I did. I mean, I wasn't really watching it for the content. It was more of like a visual thing. Yeah. So it was different watching it like that. But I I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It's still a pretty good show. I was. I'm not really a big TV person. I just watch a lot of sports. But me either. I, that, I, 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 I like. I like that show. So. And then the last non lacrosse question is, what is one place you would love to travel soon? Ooh, I want to go somewhere like tropical. Never went anywhere besides Florida. I want to go somewhere, some island or something. That's where I want to go. I'd say either West Coast or Toronto. I feel like those places look like a lot of fun. So I'll go, I'll pick that. Now, getting back to some lacrosse questions now, uh, the last one I really want to ask you was, what should be done to help grow women's lacrosse from your perspective? Oh, this is a big controversy right now. It's just a big coaching convention in Florida, you know, talking about all the rule changes and everything. You know, they're trying to speed up our game, but suddenly it's getting slower. Um, so I hope that they figure all that out. I, I don't really know. I mean, our game's growing. It's it is it has grown exponentially since even when I was in high school. So, you know, it's it's continuing to grow. Now it's, you know, in the Olympics, sixes is gonna be awesome. You know, I'm I'm excited for that. And I don't, I think we're on a good path right now. I don't have anything pressing, you know, to, to add, but I think it's, it's growing and it's, it's really exciting to, to watch. I'd say for me, probably making it more diverse. Like, I think it's important to try to have people of color play lacrosse as well, yeah, especially absolutely. since certain areas in the country, lacrosse isn't as popular as in other yeah. areas. And I feel like that would help the sport grow just because you get more players. And I think Having a diverse sport is very good and helps the sport grow to different cultures as well. So that's what yeah. I would say is sort of the thing that would help the sport grow even more, along with sort of like marketing uh, yeah. certain players and teams uh, so people can watch. I hope the Olympics does that, you know, brings in mm -hmm. all these other countries to to especially learn the game, you know, whether they compete in it or, you know, they can at least learn the game and maybe send some of us somewhere and, and teach the game. So that'd be exactly. cool too. Exactly, exactly. Well, before I let you go, Olivia, do you have any shout outs you want to give to your teammates, family members, and friends, and who should we have on the podcast next? I mean, family and friends, biggest supporters, always. My Cabrini Cavs, you know, Cabrini forever. Love them all. Um, and I would probably say someone you'd enjoy talking to would be um, Alyssa Long. She's a senior at UNC. She's an, another Springfield native, close friend of mine. Um, I talked to her earlier today, and, and she seems like she'd love to do it. So Awesome. Yeah. 
Well, Olivia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. I think you're a great player and even better person. So I just want to let you know that and uh, can't wait to see uh, what your team accomplishes in the final year of the university. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that.